entrepreneurs with giant hearts who want to do the same kind of work as charities do, except we understand sustainability. We understand the power of having profit. We understand how to make things grow exponentially. And we understand how to use the profit in a way that can continue building the business, but at the same time, continue doing good. Welcome guys and gals to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Imagine having experienced mentors with decades of wisdom delivered right into your ears. On this podcast, we'll talk about building purpose, a legacy in your life, influence, love, sex, relationships, success, and so much more. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and join the thousands of other changemakers in our community on Facebook or go to mantalks.com. So today we have a very special guest. He's uh, a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Mr. Giovanni Marcico. He is described as a talent scout, a curator, and a connector of superheroes. That's right superheroes. <laughs> he is the founder of uh, Archangel Academy, which is a private membership community of mission-driven entrepreneurs that are making a, a, the world a better place through purpose-driven entrepreneurship and philanthropy. Giovanni hosts his flagship mastermind event, Archangel Academy, every January in the Los Angeles area and is currently working on his next book called The Gifted Entrepreneur, which is due out this September uh, this year. So in this podcast, we dive into a, a few things. Giovanni is really, um, you know, a, a, a specialist or an expert in building tribe, in building relationships. Uh, and and when, you, when, when we say tribe, you know, that can mean tribe, community. It can, it can mean family, whatever word you want to insert into there. So Giovanni is going to share some of his keys to success around how to build your tribe, um, we're going to dive into social entrepreneurship because that is what he is all about. And social entrepreneurship is, is really just creating profit for a purpose. So being able to make money, but being able to use that money for social good. So he's going to dive into that, give us some examples. Um, he has an incredible, incredible life story. Uh, he's going to share some insight into a big event that they're putting on in Toronto. Um, and that event is going to help raise funds for micro loans for businesses, um, you know, Kickstarter campaigns, charities, not for profits, other startup companies. It's a really, really cool concept. And there's not really any other events out there like this. So you will definitely want to stay tuned to the end to, to check into that. Um, but other than that, let's bring him on the man himself, Mr. Giovanni Marcico. Okay, so Giovanni, thank you so much for being on the Man Talks podcast. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. All right, so before we kind of dive into what you do and how you crush it in the world, because you do, uh, we always like to ask one of our favorite questions, which is, can you share with us a defining moment for you of, of, about being a man and uh, how it impacted your life? Wow. <laughs> what a great question to start with, guys. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, where my where my head goes to is being a dad. I have I'm a single dad with a an eleven year old son. However, in terms of specific stories, last year when he was ten, 
he showed interest in, you know, for, for, for a lot of kids these days, they love watching YouTube videos of other people doing things, uh, either like opening up toys or there's another trend of people playing video games, filming themselves, um, talking direct to camera. And then a lot of kids watch these things. So my son loves those videos and he started making his own very amateurishly, if that's a word, he would actually set up an iPad to film himself talking. It was so cute. And he started his own YouTube channel. So he showed this passion. And I remember from my childhood where I was often told, stop dreaming, stop doing, stop playing, I guess, and, and focus more on school, focus more on getting a job and that kind of thing. And, you know, it took me almost 40 years to figure out how that threw me off path and off course. And when I saw this with my son in terms of his interest, instead of saying you're, you have too much screen time, you're, you're spending too much time coding, you're spending too much time doing this, I actually helped support it where I bought him professional recording equipment and professional streaming equipment and, and video editing equipment so that now he lights up all the time in a way that's incredible. And, and for me, that was a defining moment, not only as, as a man, but as a dad. Very cool. And it, 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 it's so amazing to be able to see, you know, your, your son, uh, give his, give his bit gift back to the world. Was there ever somebody, you know, who was that person in your life that sort of switched that moment on for you? Uh, you mentioned that it had taken 40 years for you to, to learn that, you know, how did that come about? In terms of, in terms of uh, like mentorship as in terms of mentorship and somebody who kind of like guided your path and, and positively affected, you know, the, the, the person, the human being that you are today. Wow. There've been so many, most recently, um, someone we both know, Philip McKernan, I met him in 2014 or 2015 when I attended one of his events in Toronto, uh, which at the time I think he called it real summit and now it's called one last talks. And it just blew me away and, and his magic in terms of helping people align with their path and finding their truth. And I, last summer, uh, almost a year ago, actually exactly a year ago, went to his retreat in Ireland called Brave Soul, where um, on our very first day, I told him that my intention was to take the red pill on my life using a, a matrix metaphor, <laughs> which was hilarious because he had never seen the film. He was like, what, the hell that? <laughs> what, what kind of red pills was he talking about then? <laughs> and, and that's what happened, right? Because we all have this programming and we all have belief structures that stem from childhood and stem from our parents and our schools and, and religion, all those things. And I wanted to see what the programming was. I wanted to see how it was affecting me. And a lot, there was so much, uh, clarity and so much growth that happened just in that week in Ireland. And then, you know, since then I, I was for sure the, tw the last 12 months of my life have been the best 12 months of my life and the worst in terms of, uh, realizing what the shitty programming was and working through it. Very cool. So, yeah. He, he's been a huge mentor. Yeah. It's, it's actually incredible how many times Philip McKernan has come up on this podcast. Like <laughs> even, even by like people that, uh, you know, I've, I've never even like that. I wouldn't assume or imagine know him. Um, but it's, it's fantastic that you share that story because there's, there are a lot of people who I think look at, look at men, uh, like yourself sometimes who are very successful and ha who have had a lot of success 
and and think like, oh, he's just got it all together. He probably doesn't have people that have that are mentors. And so I think, you know, it's really great to hear that part of it, that you still have people that you go to that are sort of like the confidants and, and the men that that you do um, have in your life to call you forward. So. So let's let's fast forward a little bit to to present date today. You know, to give a little bit of context for listeners, uh, what's going on in your life right now, and uh, what are you what are you truly excited about? Tell us about Archangel. Yeah, amazing. So Archangel is my I would I, I was going to say business, but that's such a not good enough word. It's my my mission, my movement, my soul's calling. It's it's everything I was born to do, and what it is is a tribe and community of mission-driven entrepreneurs who want to do well by doing good and vice versa. And my role and uh, is as a talent scout and curator of these big-hearted entrepreneurs, people like, like you, uh, who literally, you know, we, we all want to do well. And it's not about not making money. We all want to make a fortune, but at the same time, make an even bigger impact, which I think is, is the key. And I've been hosting an annual private mastermind every January in Los Angeles called Archangel Academy, where it's high ticket, small group, 120 people. Um, and that's blown up. And now what I'm super excited and passionate about is what we're producing in Toronto in September, which is a, a large scale event, you know, thousands of people with some of the biggest speakers on the planet. But the whole, the reason I'm so passionate is because the whole thing's a fundraiser. And what we're doing is taking all the profit from the event, putting it into a fund and using that money to support charities, to support crowdfunding campaigns, to support um, entrepreneurs with through microloans, where the intention is exponential impact, making the world better in any way possible. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the idea of like social entrepreneurship, right? Where, you know, it's. I like to I like to say it's profit for a purpose, right? Like exactly. sure you, your company organization is going to make money, but there's a very clear positive and societal impact that's behind every choice that you make, right? So I you know, let's let's touch on social entrepreneurship. Why do you think that it's so important? Why are you so passionate about that and and was there something in your past that kind of ignited this because you you haven't always run Archangel Academy, right? No, I, I've always been um, in the nonprofit world. I was the president of a Rotary Club for a long time doing service, or, you know, raising money for other charities. And there's so much uh, frustration and red tape in that world because they're constantly relying on donation. They're constantly relying on handouts and asking people for help and money. And I've also always been an entrepreneur since I was 16. And And what I realized was entrepreneurs with giant hearts who want to do the same kind of work as charities do, except we understand sustainability. We understand the power of having profit. We understand how to make things grow exponentially. And we understand how to use the profit in a way that can continue building the business, but at the same time, continue doing good versus having to always go out for donations. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that even the business model for what Archangel is, uh, it's a for-profit business and we're using portions of the profits to do well and to do good things with. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to speak to a lot of different individuals who have started these social entrepreneur uh, companies on the show. But for those that are new to the concept, you know, how do you um, – 
how do you get over the fact and because I'm sure a lot of people ask you the question how how do you get over the fact that you're making money from doing good because you know there's that whole like oh are you why don't you just be a nonprofit if you really want to do good for the you know for the world and the community um, how do you get over that conflict yeah sell sell social entrepreneurialism to people <laughs> because I think it's really important right like it's it, it, Roger's got a good point there is sometimes a little bit of a hurdle there for people I think the challenge there's more of shitty programming that people have around money in general because a lot of people and even in the social entrepreneurship world a lot of people think money is evil they're, they're against profit which i understand where they're coming from but money is just a tool to amplify what you're doing right so if, if you are impact driven if you want to create change money becomes money becomes the amplifier becomes the exponential tool you can use to do even more change so for me it's it's not about for-profit versus non-profit. I, I think when you're a non-profit, your hands are tied so much that it's really challenging to actually do the thing you want to do, which is create the impact. Whereas if you have a, a, a hybrid model or a social, you know, for-purpose model, and there's so many different labels for these things, you can create the, the exponential change you want to create without having your hands tied and at the same time grow the business. Hmm. So you can do both things. Yeah, and, and and you mentioned when you when you first started describing uh, Archangel Academy that the academy was your mission, your movement, your soul's calling. Now, was it was it a matter of of the the, the purpose behind the organization was was your mission, movement, your soul soul's calling before you created it, or did you create this because you had this idea and then you realized, holy shit, this is what I'm meant to be doing? It was kind of a mix of both. So the original original Archangel idea was create some kind of school where I could teach entrepreneurs how to grow the business and be successful. But to, to become a student, you had to have the need to create change or, or create impact and then have the top students receive some kind of funding from us, either angel investment, which is kind of where the name comes from, um, or loans or grants or donations, whatever it is to help them take off. Because when I was 16, I, I started my first business throwing events for teenagers. And even back then, it was my best friend and I, we realized what we didn't have was mentorship and money. And if we had those two things, even at 16 years old, we would have been in, in the millions of revenue at like 20. But we struggled learn, and learned the super hard way how to fail, how to uh, cope with stress, how to do all the things that all entrepreneurs have to deal with no matter how old they are. And we were, you know, in our teens, which was an amazing lesson, but we never had that mentorship back then. We never had cash flow. I'll, I'll give you a funny example. Uh, one of our events or one, one of the venues we used to do weekly events at was a huge place in Toronto called Shock. And the capacity was 5,000 people, just to give you an idea. And we used to throw events that had three to 5,000 people weekly. And sometimes we would host or, or produce concerts for like dance music and, and pop music. And the way it worked was because we didn't have that much cash flow, the venue owners would cover the cost up front of bringing in an artist who was going to perform a concert. And then we would just split it out of the pot afterwards. And our booking agent called us one day and said, yeah, I got this new group. They're, they're blowing up from Florida. They only want 5,000 US. Um, you should book them because they're going to get big. And they're called NSYNC. <laughs> And we're like, no big okay, deal. I've never heard of these guys, but yeah, sure. Sounds cool. And we went to the venue owners 
and said, yeah, this is what we want to do. It sounds good. And they're like, nope, our budget's three grand. You can never go over three grand. And we're like, fuck. Because, you know, after looking back now, we realized how silly that was. And if we just had access to money somehow, even an extra 2000 US. And then the funny, three weeks later, our, our agent calls back again and says, oh, I got this, I got this girl. She's not your usual, you know, what you guys typically book. She's not really dance music, but I think she's good and she might blow up. And her, her, she's got this weird song about a genie and I can't even pronounce her name, Christina Aguilera. <laughs> and we're like, oh, cool. And we, again, we went back to the venue owners and they said, no, our budget's 3000 Sorry. So, you know, back then, this is when we were 20 years old thinking, wow, if we had just access to some kind of cash flow. And that stuck with me. Yeah, I, I turned 40 this year. That's still stuck with me where there's so many people, even at that age, if they just had direction and and, and leadership and, and, and mentorship and just a, even a tiny bit of money to do the things they want to do, can you imagine what's possible? That's absolutely uh, huge, man. Like, you know, I think there's there's a ton of people out there who have great ideas and those are the two things that are lacking, right? They're, they're lacking funding oftentimes and they're lacking the guidance, right? Um, I mean, I even think about when, you know, when I, when I kicked off Man Talks, like the, the sort of like guidance and, and funding definitely would have been, uh, would have been very helpful. So I can imagine that the people who are out there and, and thankfully I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by, by men and women like yourself now. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's huge, especially for kids like, you know, who are in their early 20s or, you know, maybe guys and gals like, you know, like us who didn't start business, like didn't start a business until their their uh, early 30s. Right. And are giving it their first go. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely huge. So in, in terms of um, in terms of like the future of business, do you see social entrepreneurship really being the sort of like norm for business in the future? And if so, why? I can't predict that, but that is my dream where I would love to get to a place where every single business transaction that takes place has some form of social good embedded in it, where we don't need charities anymore because all everything that happens supports positive growth somehow. That, that's a dream, uh, a big dream of mine. Can it happen? I, I, you know, we'll see what happens, but, um, I believe that there's definitely a shift in that direction. And, and is there anything that you think needs to be, you know, needs to happen in, in the business world? Uh, sort of, uh, obviously a bunch of stuff needs to happen, but is there anything at top of mind that can happen sort of immediately with, with, uh, you know, the, the business world in order to, to make that shift? I think it's already happening because I, I speak to a lot of university students and people at that age, it, they almost demand it, right? Even, even forget entrepreneurs, but people looking for jobs want, if they had the choice at that age to work for two exact companies, except one of them supported a social movement of some kind, they would almost always choose the job where there's a social movement. So I think it's already happening. And time will tell. It'll take another five, 10 years uh, in terms of what we can do. And here's the other thing to look at, right? 10 years from now, the entire entrepreneurship and job world will be completely different because of emerging technology like AI and um, robotics. And 
what I'm predicting over the next 10 years is, an, is a shift back to the way it was hundreds of years ago where everyone had a craft, everyone had a gift, everyone only did their thing. Like they had a superpower and that's all they shared with the world because a lot of roles and jobs where you're at a desk all day long, that's going to disappear. And people are almost going to be forced to figure out what their gifts are and, and trade their gifts for money. Mm. And, and I think just like anything else in business, you, you know, you, you need to be able to show a solid ROI on, on, uh, you know, on this sort of shift, um, which, you know, we're seeing more and more these days with, with different social, uh, social enterprises is, I mean, there's, you, you touched on like millennials and, and, uh, you know, them wanting, more and more sustainable impact and, and measurable impact. And we see even, you know, fortune 10 companies like the apples of the world shifting a lot of their models. So what, you know, I almost want to say like, what value do you, do you offer businesses who are, who are hesitant? Is it, is it just about attracting the right people? Is it about, it's the right thing to do? Like what's the sort of one thing that you usually usually will offer up to businesses who are, are maybe considering shifting their business model to a social enterprise uh, format. I think it's a it's it's a business advantage. It's it's almost like a a unique selling proposition. Where if you know thirty years ago, a book came out called Positioning by Al Reese and Jack Trout. I don't know if you guys have read the book, but it's it's like a marketing Bible practically. Where in the book they talked about how you have to own a position in the mind of the consumer. So if someone said cola, most people would say Coke, right? That, and if I asked, if I said uh, photocopy, what company comes to mind? Xerox. Right. And if I say um, tissues. Kleenex. <laughs> Kleenex. Yeah, right. So those companies over decades have invested all of their marketing and advertising budget into owning a position in, in the consumer's mind, which is what has always worked. But my belief now is that there's, there's a, a trend towards what I would call heart share, where you own a position in the hearts of the consumers, which to me is even more valuable, where you are connected to them through love and through caring and through beliefs and values, right? So it's it's more about having a movement and a mission that people can be a part of where they they feel like they're family. And, and even in my own business, I don't use the word client. I, it doesn't seem good enough. I, I use the word family because we all, not only do I love all of my clients, but they love each other. Mm. There's actually, there's actually a great book out there by, uh, uh, man by the name of Kevin Roberts, who um, I, I, I work in the advertising and and, uh, and design world, and you know I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly about you know the idea behind uh, love being inserted into brands. And there's actually a great book by a guy by the name of Kevin Roberts, who's who, it's called Love Marks, and essentially it is exactly what you just talked about. <laughs> Yeah, um, I kind of wanted to, to back the train up into this idea of superpowers because, you know, we're we're both uh, we're we're both kind of like geeky guys, and I feel like a lot of our listeners out there are going to love what's coming up next. Um, but you actually talk <laughs> you actually talk a lot about you know superpowers and you know individuals what their superpowers are, and can you give us a little bit of a background? on why that's important to you and and what you believe uh 
A, I guess what you believe your superpower is and B, what, you know, how can people tap into their quote unquote superpower? I'll, I'll give a story for context to give my, my background in history. Um, when I was 10, I used to move a lot. Um, so I was always the new kid in, in the school. And at that age, the school had done IQ testing and they had labeled me as gifted, which at first I thought was an awesome thing. And then I used to get bullied and made fun of in school for being smart, which doesn't sound right, but that's what happened. And I even remember there was a day when a bunch of kids ganged up on me and said, stop doing so well on tests. You're making us all look bad. And it was just strange and weird. And I, I used to cry and then feel shitty. And at the same time, I started getting into comic books um, and superheroes. And I had a huge passion for it. And, you know, most kids like Spider-Man and Superman and Batman, all the sort of traditional Iron Man ones. And then I discovered the X-Men. And in the very first comic I read, it said, Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. I don't know if you, if you don't know the X-Men story. Um, Charles Xavier, who's also Professor X, goes out and finds um, mutants, which are humans that have extraordinary gifts, but usually they think it's a curse. And he shows them how to use their gifts as a strength or as a superpower in his school, which is Xavier's Academy. And then, you know, the top students become X-Men, which are a team of superheroes who go and do missions and save the world. And I saw that and I totally, you know, when I saw the word gifted and I always thought that was a bad word, it just changed my whole perception and realized, oh my God, I'm a superhero. And this is as a, as a, like a, a kid and, and professor X became my favorite superhero. So fast forward to now, I've literally built my archangel business model after the X-Men. <laughs> That's all. So the whole X-Men story, I'm taking it to life where I'm going out talent scouting superhero entrepreneurs who have gifts and helping them build businesses around their gifts. And then the top students, you know, uh, become teachers for the other students and come to my events. That's, that's pretty freaking awesome. Like I, I, I absolutely just love that. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we were fortunate enough to have you speak at the event in Toronto cause that's where you're based. And, um, you know, you kind of talked about this and I think it's just really cool because a lot of people have this side of them, like that sort of innate passion or the thing that they really enjoy. And not often do you see the sort of passion get intertwined with the purpose and direction in life in, in such a way where you've ended up modeling your business after, you know, um, a comic book because it's something that really resonated with you. So, and you can hear that passion in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my next question is, do you need a Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> because because Wolverine was always my favorite as a kid, and I'm a furry animal. So there you go. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Really sharp. And you nails. need to clip your toenails. Yeah, and I need to clip my toenails. Apparently, um, cool man. So let's let's talk about tribe building a little bit before we kind of get into the event and and some of the some of the logistics around that because I think that the way that you structured this event is really really powerful, and and I definitely want to dive into that. But first, I want to talk about this this tribe building piece that, that you just touched on, because what you're talking about is building the family, building the tribe or community, whatever word, you know, uh, you want to use or our listeners want, want to use and hear, um, there is something, there's something very powerful about being able to create 
that community, that sense of community. And, you know, as we see a rise in technology and everybody's moving and shifting into how to create online communities, there like I'm a fundamental believer in the in the in the value of creating in-person community and you've done a really really uh, extraordinary job of that and so I'm I'm kind of curious um you know a what are some of the really important keys to building community or building that family and and be like what what should people look out for like what are some of the of the pitfalls when starting a community because I'm sure that lots of our listeners out there are uh, are are you know, trying to build their own, their own tribe. The first thing, and, and you mentioned in-person communities, which is what we're both doing. I realized, and going back to my discussion on emerging technology, the, the more digital and technological the world becomes, the more we are reliant on the internet and, you know, for communication and, and all things virtual. I feel that more and more there will be a common need for connection for in-person connection because that's lacking more and more. And it's, it's a human need, right? And, and connection is the fancy word for love. And we, we, we truly require that in any business where you're facilitating in-person connection, you're facilitating in-person tribes, Moving into the next decade, I think we're going to win because people crave that so much. And in terms of how to do it, um, I learned a lot, believe unbelievably, from Lady Gaga. And I have to tell you this story. So I think it was three years ago or two years ago, I went to her concert in Toronto. And the reason I went wasn't because I was a fan of hers at the time. I didn't really know too much about her, although I like some of her music. But... I was fascinated at the fact that in an industry that was completely declining, especially because I wanted to get into publishing, uh, book publishing, and book publishing and music publishing are kind of the same, where less and less people are spending money on the product, and yet someone like Lady Gaga is blowing up and killing it. And I thought, what you know, what is she doing? So I literally bought a ticket to her concert just to experience what it was, and here's what came out of it. Uh, because, you know, I go to, we all go to concerts and for the most part, because of, of technology like cell phones or smartphones, everyone is, and I find this so weird, but people will go to a live event and film the whole thing and, and worry more about what's on their phone than actually experiencing the live event, which is so weird. But that happens. So you can technically watch any concert on YouTube without having to go because that's what people do. And a lot of these artists will have the same exact show in every city. So you almost know what to expect. With her, what she does first and, and very geniusly is she's built an extremely loyal community and she's branded the tribe. So she calls them um, little monsters and they have secret handshakes and they have secret language and they have their, their own social media um, site where they can communicate with each other. Because w one very important rule is that once you build a tribe, have them connect with each other. That totally reinforces the tribe. And if you can actually have unique language, that's only for the tribe. That's another great way of bonding. And she's done that brilliantly. Um, and when I was at the show, everyone's dressed up. And I thought I was in like sweatpants and a t-shirt and I was so not appropriately dressed. People are, are in the most, it was like a giant Halloween party. It was amazing. And next time I go, I will definitely dress up. But 
the second thing she did was how she defined a member of her tribe, where most pop artists go after the top 40 listeners, right? The, the traditional crowd. And what she said is, no, my tribe is the people who get bullied, the people on the outskirts, the people who don't fit into anything. Those are the people I want in my tribe. And she's given them a safe space to be themselves and to communicate with each other. So, you know, having an, uh, a very clear avatar of who your tribe member is, is, is huge. And then what she did was she connected with people at the show. So people would throw things on stage, right? And most concerts, if that happens, security will clear it off or throw it back into the audience. She literally picks up everything and she adapts her performance using things thrown on the stage. Like someone threw up a Canadian flag and she danced with it for two minutes and someone, she's wearing a dress, someone threw up a denim vest and she just put it on over the dress. Um, and, and, and then this one thing that happened was mind blowing. Um, a fan threw up a letter in an envelope and she picked it up and she stopped performing. She walks over to a piano, opens the letter and starts riffing on the piano, playing music and reads the letter. Has no idea what it's going to say. And um, I, so the letter said, hi, I'm Brittany. I'm 16 years old. I recently came out to my parents and they kicked me out of the house. And it was like a giant, crazy sob story. And then halfway through, she stops and she gets her microphone. And she goes, where is this fucking Brittany bitch? Get her on stage right now. And she brings the girl on stage and she talks to her in front of everyone. And now at this point, you know, 30,000 people are crying. And then she plays an acoustic version of um, Born This Way, except she changed the lyrics to use Britney's name in the song. So if you are Britney, I guarantee you you're a fan for life. And if you're anyone in this, in this place, you become a mega fan because you feel like you're part of her family. And there's so many amazing lessons from that experience that all of us can use in terms of tribe building, right? You, you want to customize what you're doing to the people in your tribe. You want to connect with them authentically. You want to be vulnerable, which is another, she did a, um, um, a wardrobe change on stage, like in front of, like, so getting down to essentially not wearing any clothing, changing her wig, um, being completely vulnerable. And uh, that's another great thing. Vulner vulnerability is a great way to have bonding and connection for not only you with tribe members, but them with each other. And if you create a safe space for them, to share their challenges, to share their vulnerability. That is incredible. Very cool. So when it comes to your tribe and, and your community, I know that you like to refer to them as the chorus. <laughs> choir. Yeah. The, sorry, the choir. Oh yeah. my God, we're going to edit that out. You know, can you explain to us what you, what your community is like? So we, I, you know, a lot of the, of the communication happens in a private Facebook group where is, there are so many, there are millions of these private Facebook groups. However, we've created in such a way that the engagement is off the charts um, and the communication is off the charts because people know they can be safe. They can, they can be vulnerable. They can share uh, their challenges. And, and once someone does, everyone jumps on with their comments and offers support and offers wisdom and offers help in terms of strategy or what to do, which to me is, is huge. And you you have to give people permission to do that up front. But once that happens, it becomes amazing. And, you know, it's super, super important to curate the right people. 
because one wrong person screws up the energy totally. And that's what I do for the community. That's what I do for my private events as well. I'm super, super, super conscious of making sure that people are a, a right fit, not only from what they do, but who they are and how their energy is. And, and the way I, you know, my analogy is battery drainers versus battery chargers. Those are my two types of people in general. And I want to make sure that everyone coming in is there because they want to contribute to everyone else. They have a gift they can share with everyone else. They're super positive um, and they're super growth oriented and they just match the avatar of what an archangel is. And there's a huge, huge win that happens for any tribe builder, for any business. When one of your tribe members can identify another potential tribe member without your involvement. So I, I get super, super giddy and happy and, and blissed out when I get an email from someone saying, G uh, Gio, I want to introduce you to Tom. Tom is an archangel, right? And it's like, ah, oh, yes, because now they get, they get what the tribe is. They get what a tribe member is. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. I, I like to, I mean, from what I've seen from communities that get built rapidly, you know, there's a lot of communities that offer great content. They offer a lot of value to their community members, to their tribe members or family members. And the difference between a sort of good community and an absolutely great community is in my mind, when the community members are are engaged with supporting and giving value to other community members. And it's they, not and, just a one-way street. And they feel like they have a, a major part in building the community itself. It's not like it's being, you know, built around them. They're, uh, they play a, a key role. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you touched on all of those pieces, which is fantastic. So um, we, I, I want to talk about this event, man. I want to, I want to talk about like, you know, why, you, why, why you, <laughs> you know, the, you kind of touched on the the vision for it and, and the mission, which is to raise funds so that you can, um, you know, basically in, invest and, and give micro loans to charities, not-for-profits, startups, social enterprises, that kind of stuff. So, um, so let's just jam on it because you have some absolutely incredible, incredible speakers. You've, you've got Gary Vaynerchuk coming, Robin Sharma, Gretchen Rubin, Seth Godin, JJ Virgin. Um, how, how did you even put this together, man? Like <laughs> that's I'll, off I'll the charts. Some more, I'll add some more speakers that haven't been announced. Well, they'll be announced today at Ooh. the day we're recording, but they're, um, Dan Martell, Philip McKernan, uh, Jason Gaynor, Natalie McNeil, Jada Selner, and me, myself. Perfect. Speaking. Awesome. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. What was the question? <laughs> How did you do this? <laughs> do they know they're coming? <laughs> That's so, so such an incredible lineup. This is what I do. And this is what I'm, you know, you, you asked about my gifts. One of my gifts is creating immersive experiences and production and event planning. And it's what I love to do. So most people I know who do events freak out at the, at the, you know, I have to fill this event. I have to produce it. I have to market it. I have to do all the logistics. And I've been doing this since I was 16. And to me, I never get anxious. I, I don't have that, that challenge anymore. For me, it's a complete excitement and fun. And I love the idea of, okay, how do I do this now? How do I create something this big? And, you know, my first thought was if I'm going to create an event with thousands of people in Toronto, I have to go big or go home. I, I cannot risk this. I, it, a lot of people who do events, they'll have one big keynote speaker and then um, a bunch of people that you may have not heard of. They may be great speakers, but they're not uh, brand names for lack of a better 
way of explaining it. And I thought, I can't do that. I have to have the room full of amazing, amazing, you know, New York Times, multiple best-selling authors that people would recognize just from their name. And that's the, how the idea started. And I said, I, I can't just do this in a convention center. I need an amazing venue. So we, we've booked the Sony Center, which is the biggest soft seat theater in Canada. And it fits at capacity about 3,000 people. And it's meant for opera, <clears throat> you know, opera. <laughs> I, I know one or two opera singers. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never sang there. Yeah, you, you'd, you'd love the space. Uh, and, you know, more important than any of this is the fact that it's based not on, let's just do an event. It's based on a bigger mission and movement. And going back to your, how do you build a tribe question? That is a key component. It's not about you. It's never about you. It's always about creating something much bigger than you in terms of the change you want to see, um, a bigger future, some kind of mission or some kind of movement. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And and what is the sort of impact that you are hoping that people would get out of this experience? Like, let's say, you know, why, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious why people should check it out a hundred percent, but what's the impact that you're hoping to have on those 3000 people who show up to this kick-ass event? A lot of people will come to events because they want to learn something, which is totally amazing. But what I've discovered is that that's not the biggest um, form of value. The biggest value is being in a room with other people like you. And, you know, in, in my history, my, in the past 20 years of my business um, adventure, I've had the most value and I've had the best relationships come out of going to events. And it wasn't, you know, I, I would always learn things from the speakers, but it was more about being in a room where everyone was like me. And you can't do that virtually. You can't do that um, online. It, it's, it's something magical that happens when you're connecting face to face with other amazing humans like you. So that for sure is, is the biggest one for me. And then it's an opportunity for anyone who comes to be a part of this movement that we're creating where, you know, just to give you an example, we've already donated 20,000 US to um, an organization called Room to Read that builds schools. And we've committed another 20 to them. We just donated 10,000 um, US to Purpose Hotel. I don't know if you know Jeremy Coward and, and his Kickstarter campaign right now, but that's huge. He's creating social good hotels. Um, we've already donated 50,000 to Change Heroes, and you might know Taylor. Um, and committed another 70 to, to build a multi-room school in Ethiopia. And those, those are the donation sides, right. And, and, and crowdfunding, but we're also in the new year creating, um, part of the fund where we can offer 5,000 to 25,000 in micro loans to entrepreneurs who need that cash flow. Hmm. Very cool. That's fantastic, man. And Giovanni, how can, how can people learn more about the event, pick up the, pick up a ticket and uh, get their seat? Yeah, the website is archangelsummit.com. Awesome. So all the, all the information is there. Very cool. Easy peasy. And, and you have, uh, just before we wrap it up, you have a sort of like meet and greet for the speakers, right? Like you have like a VIP section as well? Yeah. So, there, you know, there's the general admission tickets and then there's VIP tickets. We're calling them the Archangel Package, where it includes um, a catered lunch in this, a room called the Speaker's Lounge and then um, a, a private dinner with Gary Vaynerchuk. So No big deal. Just, yeah. just just private dinner with Gary V. No big deal. Uh, I'm sure that'll be full of awesome content and wisdom and f bombs and hilarious conversations. Um, 
Giovanni, how, how can people learn more about you, yourself, and, and, and your other projects? So right now, there's a, a, my blog is giftedentrepreneur.com, and you can go there or just follow me on social media. Wonderful. Cool. Wonderful, my friend. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. So we just have one last question for you, which is around legacy. And, uh, you know, it's very clear what you're up to in the world. And it's very clear that, that you are, you're, you're kicking ass and, and helping people. But what is the legacy that you would like to leave in the world? Huh. Again, well, no, think... no small question. Just, just an easy, just yeah, an easy softball there for you. <laughs> <laughs> but when I think of my life's work, um, you know, one, one of my gifts is to make people smile. I've discovered that over the years and my, I've branded my mission and I've called it 10 billion smiles so that by the time there are 10 billion people alive at the same time, I want to have indirectly touched all their lives in a positive way through the people of the Archangel tribe. So that would be the legacy. Very cool. Very cool. My friend. Well, that, that's pretty fantastic. You, you have us smiling and I'm sure you have listeners smiling as well. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Giovanni, thank you so much for joining us on the Man Talks podcast. Uh, for all the listeners out there, you can check out Giovanni at archangelsummit.com or at giftedentrepreneur.com. Uh, make sure to go to mantalks.com to check out more podcasts, blog posts, and any videos from our events. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode with a kick-ass guy like this. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It goes a long way. Help to man it forward and uh, get this into the ears and the uh, iPhones and phones of other people across the world. One quick thing that we that we want to say is that we're in Toronto for our next event on August 22nd, which is fantastic. And we will be hosted by Samsung in their booth. So that's going to be cool. So we're going to have virtual reality stuff there for all of us to check out. And then on August 29th, we will be in Miami. Woo! Woo! Miami, launching in Miami, which is exciting. So if you know people in Miami, please share the event with them and uh, send them all down to check it out. Thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man.